There was a time in my life when I would lay in bed at least once a week, mind racing, spiraling out of control, telling my partner how lost I felt. Luckily for me, he always called bullshit. What I really was was stuck. And I had no idea how to move forward. I didn't know how to brush aside how very not enough I felt in so many areas of my life. My relationship, my career, in my role as a wife, in trying to be a mom, as a daughter, as a friend, as a sister, and everything in between. No matter what I did, no matter what I tried, I just couldn't shake that there was more I could be doing. Now, I know more than a couple women who, despite the utter badasses they are and all the roles and responsibilities they carry, it never feels like they're enough. Doing enough, being enough, showing up enough. It can be so difficult to imagine a world where we are actually living the life we want to live and that we're proud of that life. And that's really not fine, is it? Hey, I'm Rachel, and this is the It's Fine Podcast. Today I'm talking to my friend Rachel Ann. She's a holistic life coach based in New York City. On this episode, we'll talk about the pressure that we have to live up to and the expectations that we often feel from others. Why we don't challenge these expectations more and how to spot if you're living in a false sense of self. We'll talk a little bit about why it might be time to move on from using your friends to help you get unstuck. And finally, how to balance those societal expectations and discover our true selves to live out the life of our dreams. If you want to learn more about life coaching, Rachel Ann is offering my podcast listeners a coaching discount. All you have to do is set up an introductory conversation by visiting rachelannecoaching.com slash connect. I'll put more in the show notes. Are you ready? Let's get into it. I think all women want to have like big, expansive, wonderful lives. And that is true regardless of how that looks for you. I think we all have these expectations around what type of life we want to live. I envisioned for my life this ability to juggle many things. And mm. what was modeled for me was my mother, who is incredible, is she's a mom. That is her primary role, and she's an excellent mom, and I'm so grateful to have her as my mom. But I always felt in my heart of hearts that I was called to juggle many things. I've struggled with the expectations of wanting to juggle all of those things. And so I'm imagining that with your clients that there are expectations or even common things that come up that keep women from wanting to live this life that they imagine for themselves or the thing that they are pushing forward to. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about what some of those things might be. It's actually a luxury to be able to sit down and think about what is it that I need? What am I struggling with? Who can I trust to ask for mm. support? That's a big one, right? Because a lot of us that are from immigrant families or people of color, a lot of the research that's out there that's pushed on us is not based on people that are, right? I love that you were able to tie in and like show honor and respect for your mom and also be like, oh, but there is like some things that came with that that actually was not 
settling for me. It didn't settle well with me. I'll say that. And that's key. I want to highlight that because that's one of the reasons why it's so hard is because a lot of the pressure, the expectation, that's what holds us back. And so if we believe that we're supposed to show up in a certain way. We're just going to do it. And if we're not able to show up in that way well enough, then we blame ourselves instead mm-hmm. of taking the time to figure out why it's not a good fit in creating an adjustment. So like the biggest example that I see a lot in my clients and just in my like friendship circles is working a nine to five, right? If you're not a morning person, working a nine to five is actually really hard. If you have difficulties sleeping, if you struggle with anxiety, depression, or other things that are occupying your thoughts a lot at night, you're probably not going to be able to wake up early in the morning to be able to go to your nine to five. So what do we do? We take sleep medication. We drink a lot of coffee. We beat ourselves up. We sneak in a quick nap in the middle of the day, but then we get groggy when we wake up and then we're just miserable instead of being like, okay, a nine to five is just not a good option for me. Maybe I need to have a conversation with my supervisor about doing a 10 to six, or maybe I need to just find a different career that's a better fit for me and what my needs are as a person. It's not the fact that I suck and I'm stupid or if there's something wrong with me. This is just the season I'm in right now. And until I'm able to get a better sleep cycle, or maybe I'm just a night owl. That's also another thing, right? People's circadian rhythms are different. But until I'm able to figure things out differently, I need to make adjustments so that I'm doing things that are healthy for myself. Big part of it is understanding that these expectations are very ingrained in us from childhood. You mentioned your mom. For me, it was also like my family. For other people, it's a caregiver, a mentor, a teacher, a coach. But there was usually someone or a a paired entity that has taught us all of these expectations. And that's great. They usually mean well, right? Especially if we're talking about like immigrant families and people of color. We have these expectations because we need to survive. We always need to show up well so that we can get further in life because unfortunately, my degree is not good enough. So I have to straighten my hair too, right? Stuff like that. And so the hard part about that is being like, what do I do if that doesn't actually match with my true inner core self? And that's Mm -hmm. when we get into the whole like, okay, these expectations are actually creating a false self. So I'm showing up in all of these places as someone who's really inauthentic. And it's just the host of issues that that come with that is just so extensive and also there's a lot of consequences that come with not adhering and keeping those to expectations so like in my family for example everybody is a doctor a lawyer an engineer an accountant so (laughs) when I was like okay like I'm gonna go into higher ed they're like what do you mean and then when I told about life coaching, they're like, what do you mean? And then I have another business right now. I have a pet care business because sure. I'm like, let's be a serial entrepreneur. They're like, what do you mean? There's a lot of worry and fear in being different in my family. Sure. And I know there's consequences of that. So I just don't. I avoid right. consequences, right? So I think a big part of it too is acknowledge that the expectations exist. Acknowledge that you have had to deal with them in order to survive. And you're probably at a time right now where you want to thrive. So what does that mean? It means having the courage in my case, having the courage to be different in my family or for another person, having the courage to make a career change that's a better fit for their health. But the consequences are a lot. 
The pressures are very deep-seated and impact all different areas of our life because the expectations are something we grew up with. It's part of like our foundational core. And so everything that comes out from our foundational core, that's our personality, our jobs, our relationships, our dietary stuff. So everything that's coming out of that is coming from a place of these are the expectations that were placed on me. And so all of the fruit that comes out of that is going to be from that perspective. So it's a lot. 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 Oh my God. And it's funny. This often comes up because I think so many of us have dealt with things like this. And so I'm going to use an example in my life that when I was younger, there were expectations around being a brown woman in the church that I grew up in, in the community that I grew up in, where I was often compared to a young woman who was quiet. I've always had a loud voice. I've always been extremely vocal all my life. And I felt this pressure to be quiet or maybe to be more subdued or to be more graceful. You know, this woman is graceful. Rachel is like Mm. clunky. She's too loud. I I remember like carrying a lot of these names, right? Too loud, too aggressive, too vocal. All the names that I just, just gave to myself were all meant to demean or put me down not behaving in that way felt really inauthentic and honestly I've spent most of my 20s and I'm in my 30s really owning these qualities that were once used to maybe demean or diminish me are actually my position of thriving right like my Mm. best and most authentic self as you work with different people right How do you work with them to maybe identify whether they are living like a false reality? You hinted at that, right? Whether or not their reality actually aligns with the reality that they want to live, like their most authentic version of themselves. Yeah, it's so difficult to rediscover and sit down and figure out who am I really? Who is my authentic self? What does that look like? When I was in the psychology world, long story short, there is this concept where a child they're brought into the world and they are their true self. And then they go to school and they learn the expectations and the rules and regulations of school. So they adjust their authentic self to that setting. And then there's a way they need to be at home. There's a way they need to be in a church setting or a religious setting. They keep adjusting to the point that Years down the line, they start to lose themselves, right? So it's pretty common for pretty much everyone. The good thing is that you learn to be adaptable. That's a great skill. We love to be adaptable. The not great thing is that we lost our sense of self. A big part of it is taking the time to unlearn some of the cultural habits that we have that have been placed onto us that are actually not healthy. We can love our culture, but not pursue everything that it says, especially the ones that aren't healthy for us. And so a big part of that is like a client will come and they'll be like, yeah, like I keep settling in a relationship or I don't know what it's like to have a healthy sliding relationship, whether romantic relationship or friendship. And usually that comes from a false sense of self because I'll ask them like, okay, what do you like in someone? And they may risk like a lot of external things like job, security, finances, location, height, skin tone that's a big one and i'm like okay i have personality traits because you didn't have any personality traits that's usually an indicator of a false sense of self when we're focusing more on the external rather than the internal it's not to beat up anybody it's not to be mad it's to be like hey did you notice that we're focusing a lot on the external but we live in a world 
that focuses a lot on the external. For example, when I was dating my now husband a few years ago and I was chatting my mom, I was like, hey, like I met this dude, he's super cool. And she was like, awesome. What's his five-year plan? What's his job? What's his finances? What's his, all these external things. Where does he live? That's fine. I'm happy to answer those questions. But she never asked or came around to ask me about his personality. And I was like, mom, do you care about his personality? And she was like, yeah, I do. But she totally didn't. And I get it. Okay, she's a mom. She's an immigrant. She's a person of color. So she literally did not have the luxury to think about anything internal. It was all survival. It was all like, okay, my child wants XYZ. How much does it cost? Her occupation wasn't based on her desire. It was based on what makes me the most amount of money so we can have financial stability. Stability was the goal. Survival was the goal. Thriving was not the goal. And so I noticed in multiple instances of my life and in my personality, I kind of, um, I moved forward with that type of thinking of survival instead of thriving. But then I noticed that I was pretty unfulfilled in different areas of my life. And I was like, oh, why do I keep pushing forward in this way? And I was like, oh, because that's what I was taught. And then I was like, why was I taught that? And I was like, oh, I was taught that because of who are the people that taught me that. And that's what they had to do. That had to work for them, but that doesn't have to work for me. So that's what I mean by unlearning some things is I still appreciate my culture. I love being Egyptian. I love being the daughter of immigrants and first gen and everything. But there are some things about surviving and not thriving. I can actually unlearn that because that's not a good fit for me. It's not healthy. Instead, what I will learn while appreciating my culture, still trying to learn Arabic, one day I will, still appreciating the curly hair that it's given me and the olive tones that I have in my sure. skin, and also thriving and also moving forward in a way that is healthiest and fits the best for me. So a lot of it is unlearning societal expectations and external expectations, which that. Those things were never for us. If you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're any marginalized identity, it was never for you. These things that society says is the norm actually doesn't work for someone like me. So I'm just going to not put that pressure on myself anymore and instead create a lifestyle that works best for me. Mm-hmm. It is such a privilege to go from the survival mentality to the thriving mentality. And I think we need to like clap, clap, clap around that because yeah, many of us as people of color might hesitate because that is definitely not something that's ever been modeled for us. Like I yeah. know for me personally, when I talk about the opportunities that I have, I think my parents are always so proud of me. What I consider like my emotional or mental health when making decisions about whether I choose a specific job or how I decide to pursue starting a family and all the different things that they just did it. They just took those actions. I totally agree that many of us need to move away from the model that we grew up with. I think there is a lot of guilt around that. And mm-hmm. how do we move away from that guilt? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <sighs> a big part of it is doing what you just did, which is acknowledging the truth of the situation. And so one thing that I do with pretty much every client, doesn't really matter what they come with, is acknowledging the courage it takes to be honest with yourself. When you have the courage to be honest with yourself and about what's happening, then you're more likely to create things that are actually useful and helpful because it's based on what's actually happening. And so the first step is acknowledging what's happening, having the courage to be honest. And it's hard. And the way to do that is by sitting down and asking yourself very real questions. 
Like, how am I actually feeling in this moment? What am I actually excited about? What am I really looking forward to? And asking yourself, honestly, if you find that it's difficult to answer honestly, that's okay. But ask yourself why? What makes it hard for me to admit that I'm actually angry? So I keep saying that I'm fine. Oh, that's because I could never be angry around my parents. Oh, okay. And then there's like a thought train. They go one after another and you follow it. And so that's the first part of it is acknowledging it because then we can go on to the next part, which is, okay, figuring out what do we need to unlearn? What do we need to just reframe or figure out? And how do we do that? So for this example about like loving something that you learned from your culture, but understanding it may not be the best fit for you. So how do you move forward still being proud of your culture, but without that unhealthy thing, right? So just understanding in the different ways it's impacted your life, giving yourself grace and giving that entity that taught you that grace as well understanding that their circumstances of why they needed to learn that of why they needed to do that and being like that's great for them love it for you you know it's just not the best jam for me and moving forward and being like okay this is how it's showing up in my life this is how it's showing up in my dating life it's how it shows up in trying to figure out what's the best career for me this is how it's showing up in the fact that I feel pressure to go to brunch every week to tell people that's my way of letting people know that I'm fallen, right? And I'm financially stable and all of that. And so going through that process. And then once you do that, you create, I hate this word system, but you create a lifestyle, which is really just a series of systems and things that kind of work for you. But you create a whole lifestyle around that. I do something called filter questions, which is like, you before you make a decision, the question you're going to ask yourself is something. So for example, a filter question, is this healthy for me? Does this add or take away from my health? So for example, if I'm invited to go to an event, the filter question is, does this event add or take away from my health? If it adds to my health, I go. If it takes away from my health, I don't go, right? So whatever type of filter question is appropriate for you and your circumstances, and then you make the decisions based off of that, and then you create the actions and you move forward from that. And that's really hard which is why I also recommend having a support system. <laughs> Definitely recommend have a friend who can just like share love and truth with you. You don't want a yes friend because they say yes to everything. Yes friends mean well, but that it's not actually super helpful when you're trying to create change. So it's, thank you, yes friend. I will utilize your services in a different way. But a friend who can hold you accountable. And then another person, some type of professional. Friends are great, but they're not professionals. I'm trained in listening. I literally have $100,000 worth of training in listening in the form of 5 million degrees. I'm trained to pick up on patterns. I'm trained to pick up on associations. I'm trained to ask specific questions to get you to think about things. I'm also trained to be an idea generator. I help people come up with coping mechanisms and journal prompts and, you know, creating solutions right on the spot. But that's my job right? So I'm supposed to be doing that. Your friends are not supposed to be doing that. That's not their job. Your friend has one job. It's to be your friend. <laughs> so right. allow your friend to be your friend and allow your professional to be a professional, whether it's a life coach, a therapist, some type of mentor. And then just creating, it's, I have so many cheesy names, but creating what I call like a supportive toolkit, which essentially is music or activities or journal prompts that you can pull out in times where you need support. So if you're having a rough morning, 
you're going to put on your song that makes you feel comfortable to cry and to release. If you need to feel energized and motivated before that very boring work meeting, you're going to wash your hands with citrus soap that's going to wake you up and you're going to put on a lemon air diffuser, right? Something like that. So creating things and utilizing them in the times of need and seeing that change that you want to see. The very unfortunate thing that I think many people of color, women of color, they walk away from this because it feels like a bit extra, like a bit much. I've gone through like multiple seasons in my career where I didn't know how to walk out what I wanted in my career. And I didn't really know what that would be modeled like for me. And I learned by talking to many women who are in executive level positions that pretty much every really successful woman that I had encountered had some form of coach, whether that be a life, a career coach. They had somebody who was professionally trained to be Ah. their advocate. That blew my mind. I think a lot of people think coaching is like silly, especially if you grew up the way that I think you and I did, right? Like, you don't spend money on leveling up. You don't invest in yourself in this way, right? For me, I knew in my heart of hearts that I wanted to have a life that I juggled many things, but I also wanted to become a parent. And my husband and I have been going through this journey of figuring out how we'll start a family and all of that. But Neither of us really wanted to give up on our careers. And what I had seen in my life is that the woman became the caretaker, right? Like my mother was my primary caretaker. My dad was the, the financial support, the head of the household, whatever. But my mom, she took care of us. And I was at a point in my life where I was like, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do because that's what I've seen. But then it also really didn't sit well within my system. It did not feel good for yeah. me to think is this really it? This is it for me? Not to say that that isn't a great journey for someone else, because I think you alluded Mm -hmm. to this, that for some folks, that might be like their best life. That might be their best path. It just wasn't right for me. The reason I have these conversations is because I think so many of us will slap and it's fine. It's whatever. I have these expectations of myself and it's okay. Like, I'm just going to keep trudging along. What do you think should be like the sense of urgency around seeking support? What do you think is at risk? Oh, girl, I don't want to sound dramatic and I don't think I'm being dramatic, but what's at risk is your life. Mm. Truthfully, your entire well-being, your entire desire to live. The sad part about our world is it teaches us to push things away that are actually really important and push forward the things that are not important. So push forward, flashing your money, having fancy clothes, going to brunch every week. Push away your thoughts and feelings that, and memories that you need to unpack, need to tune into. And when we do that, the longer we do that, the worse off it gets when we actually open that door. So if you're 30 opening that door versus you're 60 opening that door, you could be 60 and open that door and still heal and still thrive. But that's 60 years worth of anger, trauma, upset, whatever it is, whatever difficulty, 
the 60 years worth that you need to process and flesh through versus 30 years. So the longer you wait, the worse it gets. I live in New York, so we walk everywhere. If you accidentally brush somebody and if they pop all the way off in a way that's like, okay, like I just brushed you. You didn't need to like threaten my life, right? They're probably in very much in need of support because they're probably not even reacting to you. They're probably reacting to something that happened many years ago. But what you did triggered that, right? There's a phrase in the psychology world that is essentially along the lines, if the reaction is hysterical, then it is historical. Meaning if the reaction is very big and unwarranted to what the situation calls for, then there is a history behind it that needs to be processed because that's actually what's coming out. So that's what happens if we go without support. These things just build. Sometimes we create very unhealthy mechanisms where we're dependent on substances or people. Being dependent on people is still very unhealthy. And we do a lot as people to be adaptable to our dysfunction and get comfortable in our dysfunction and make changes so we can maintain our dysfunction as opposed to trying to change a dysfunction. And I know that dysfunction is a very scary, big clinical word that I use that. Because that's what happens when we don't get support. It literally can change the functioning of our entire system. And we need to do something about that. I'm so grateful for the privilege of being able to uncover our history. Because it's not just our personal histories. It is the history that we carry. The things that we probably don't know but live in our bodies because they come from the histories of our great-grandfathers and the people who have immigrated to this country, for some of us who are immigrants and for folks who have lived in this country for many years and were abused and oppressed. Doing this work is such a privilege and an honor to really Mm. uncover this, to live this life. And I have to believe that means something, right? And so while it might be $150 to go talk to somebody and get that support, I imagine that investment can be bountiful, right? Because we believe Mm. that By addressing the things that are not fine, saying that they matter and trying to design your life into the way that you want to live and the way that feels true to you, that in many ways you are rewriting that narrative, that generation that Mm -hmm. didn't get that opportunity. And to me, that is reason enough to want to pursue this. You have the power to change the generational trauma and the generational habits that have been existing. You have the power to change that. And I know that price tag can be a worry for people. I always encourage people to reach out to the support that you want support from and be very on it. I have some clients that are like, hey, I'm in a financial hardship. So I was like, okay, we can do improv services. I can change your service this way. So it meets this price point until you get back on your feet in this way. I also help a lot of my clients find somebody in a different price range for them. If I'm not in the right price range, there's workbook. There's a lot of different things that are for different price points. So please do not let price be the reason why you do not seek support because we can find somebody with your price point. As women of color, as children of immigrants, we're starting to believe that we are worth investing into. And we're starting to learn how to appreciate the generations before us, the culture that we embody and that we have, and still allow for that self-differentiation. And it's so powerful when we do that because that is what it means to live genuinely in our authentic selves. 
It doesn't mean we're going to be happy every day. What it means is that we are going to have a sense of fullness and wholeness that's internal so that if a hardship comes, we are not broken and we can respond appropriately and healthy. And that is what it means to thrive. Not smiling every day, but being able to handle difficult things and still know how to move forward. You are worth the investment. You are worth caring for. You are worth the support. And whatever that looks like for you, I'm so excited for you to get that. Rachel, it was so nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much, Rachel. I love being here and I love the work that you're doing, girl. I believe that you can move from a position of surviving to thriving. Not just because it's possible, but because like Rachel said, you are worth it. You are worth the investment. You are worth caring for. You are worthy of the support, whatever that looks like for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the absolute world that you would spend time listening to this podcast. Share this podcast with anyone who you think could benefit from the message of not settling for fine anymore. Share it with your sister, your cousin, your friend, your mom, your dog, your partner. I don't care. I would love to get the word out about why we don't have to settle for fine anymore. I can't wait to see you again next week. Talk soon.